Hi, I'm Carlin Holbrook. I'm a John Maxwell team certified coach, teacher, trainer, speaker, published author, and influencer with more than 25 years of global leadership experience. If there's one thing I've seen firsthand time and time again, it's that the best leaders inspire others to follow their purpose and their passions, while the influence of a bad leader can literally tear down people's potential. Join me for a few sips of leadership tips that will help you become a better leader by first conquering the hardest person to lead, you. True confession time. I have a problem with authority. I know it's not easy for me to say, but I realize I always have. And some of you may be surprised by me saying that because, you know, being a leader and also talking about leadership after all, um, that some of you may also not see that, oh, that doesn't surprise me about you, Carlin, because I know you you often push back on people with titles above your own, and and, okay, maybe I can see that, or maybe I can't. Anyway, either way, this is something that I've come to terms with, um, because I also truly believe from my heart, and I know I've talked about it a lot in these podcasts, is position does not equal authority, and leadership is influence, not authority. So even the word authority, I think, just rubs me the wrong way because it does feel authoritarian and it feels a little tyrannical in a lot of ways. Um, and yeah, don't dig any of that because I truly believe nobody on this earth is better than anybody else. Um, you know, I think I didn't really realize this until I went to therapy in my early 20s. And it helped me a lot understand, okay, well, where does my problem with authority come from? Where does my my natural, seemingly natural skepticism of what um, public figures say or what, um, you know, CEOs and other people say of companies, I always have had a healthy skepticism about it. And again, not because I'm a pessimist. I think hopefully for those of you who know me personally, you know I'm a pretty optimistic person. And I do like to, to look for the best and think the best in people. But so again, this was something I had to really kind of dial in deep for. And the reality is, is I believe in my own life that people in positions of authority have just really continued to disappoint me and let me down throughout my entire life. And so I think even though I've gotten better, I would say, in recent years, and yes, only recent years, and I'm in my, I'm 45, to not expect too much from people in positions of power or authority, um, I still get frustrated. I still get frustrated. I still get disappointed. I still go, oh my gosh, how do they not see that that's a bad leadership decision or that's not leadership at all or that is not the way you treat your people, your teams, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, I still let it get to me at times, um, even though I have no control over what other people are saying and doing. But I think I have gotten a little bit better anyway. Um, so if you think about it, who's your earliest authority figure in your life? And that would be your parents, um, typically, or whoever raised you. Um, my mom, as some of you might know, if you've read my book, Group Therapy, shameless plug, it's on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com, is um, about my life, and it's based on incidents in my life or incidents that and events that happen to people in my immediate family that I witnessed or was part of. and um, and But the story takes a fictional lens, of course. Um, but my mother, I believe, was undiagnosed bipolar, and I, and I don't say that jokingly. And she was very physically and very emotionally abusive to me growing up. And so when your first authority figure in your life 
uh, doesn't exemplify anything from a good leader of any sense of the word to build you up. Um, or someday she would build me up and then tear me down, build me up, tear me down. It was just, it was really rough, especially through my, um, through my tween and, and teen years. But when I got older, so when I became a teenager and I actually started to get mouthy and push back on her, I started to realize, well, wait a minute, just because you're my parent, I don't have to put up with this crap, especially as I'm older and have my own mind and my own thoughts. And I wasn't going to stand to be treated that way anymore. She didn't like that, of course. Um, but, you know, anyway, that's a whole nother uh, conversation. But I just a, a way to share with all of you that if you think about your relationships, earliest relationships on of role models in your life or people who were leaders to you in your life, just think about that. Pause and reflect on how did that impact you as a leader today? How did that impact your view of authority or your ability to to connect with those in quote unquote power? I do believe and I actually don't regret anything because I don't I think life's too short for regrets and I I firmly believe you grow through what you go through and I am extremely grateful again not to be treated a certain way but man did it build my resilience and resilience to go through a lot of even harder things later in life and tough things and knowing that the power of grit is powerful Um, and in many ways it also pushed me into being a leader because I saw what was not right um, from a very authoritarian, very tyrannical type of approach, even in my own home growing up. And I'm like, you know what? No, because no human on earth was going to be allowed to make me feel so small again. And I was not going to allow that. And I don't want that for other people. I want people to see that they don't have to conform, that they can transform, that they can um, be a leader in front and not a part of the pack in the back. Um, another example, so as I'm going down this, you know, path of, of memories, I remember in junior high, I had a gym teacher, I'll never forget him, Mr. Weary, and I'm hoping, hopefully I am outing him, or he's probably dead, who knows. Um, anyway, he was a, a PE teacher, and I will never forget that he was very, very, very sexist, and he would let the boys go and play basketball or have free time and do whatever, but he would make the girls do laps or conditioning exercises or whatever because he actually said well girls aren't as good at sports as boys and I was like you're kidding me right why do they get to do this and we have to do that well because you know girls you guys need to to you know practice these things do these things basically telling us like well you're not so good so we're gonna make you do things and we're gonna let the boys do whatever they want and um I lost it on him and I told him to F off to his face. Well, F you, I think. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, Because I was so upset. One, I will say my mom, for all intents and purposes of, you know, the bad parts of her, the good parts of her is she did teach me that women are just as good as men and and nothing should hold us back I mean she used to surf in the 50s when women did not do that and um, she was very much a feminist before her time I believe and so yeah color gender nothing we're all equal that's crap so yeah I told him f you and he wrote on a referral said f you to Mr. Weary and I tore it up in his face because I'm like no not gonna do this and he sent me to the principal's office And I was fine with it because I just, I'm like, I am going to stand up. I'm going to say something. This isn't right. Boys are not better at sports than girls are. 
we're different, yes, and I and I know from a science perspective, physio- physiologically, we have differences in our bodies, but that doesn't mean I'm not just as good at sports like basketball or softball, et cetera, than boys are. And for him to treat us that way, I just couldn't. So I went to the principal's office, and I will say that I was grateful that my mom was not mad about it. In fact, she was mad at the school for it, and she defended me, and I didn't get in trouble that time. So that was good. But anyway, another other times too. I mean, I, I've definitely have gotten into it with my share of people and fancy titles well above my pay grade because I've told them that they've lacked leadership or why certain decisions were bad or wrong and not in the best interest of our company, our team, our people, all of that. Um, and it is interesting throughout the years. I've had a lot of bad leaders, as I've shared on on this podcast before, and I've had some good ones too, of course. But my uh, what I would uh, what I would say are my bad leaders have labeled me a lot as, um, you know, like too outspoken, too direct, um, can be disruptive. And actually, even from elementary school, my citizenship grades to my performance reviews as an adult, I would get a lot of that, like, you don't have to always be the first one with an opinion in the room. Well, okay. Um, you need to fall in line. Not always say what's on your mind. I would bet... I don't know. I would bet if, you know, here's the thing. So I take all of that with a grain of salt because there's nuggets of truth and feedback. And I'm humble enough to say, okay, yes, I don't always have to be the first one with an opinion in the room. So I consciously, very consciously sometimes will not have opinions out of the gate and I'll let other people talk. And so I know that there are pieces of nuggets in that that make sense. But on the flip side of that, I think a lot of when people are telling you that you're being too direct or too outspoken or too this, I think it's because you're making them nervous. I think it's because they're insecure and they either don't want to, they don't like what you have to say or they're afraid of what you have to say. So they just say that, that you being that way is wrong and it's not wrong. And I would challenge anybody on this planet to call me out if I ever speak the truth in an unloving, non-compassionate uncaring way if I am not if I'm ever doing something that's not for the greater good or for to right a wrong then text me email me let me know except my high school junior high school gym teacher I don't really want to hear from you but um anybody else honestly truly I've I don't yell at people I never scold I don't use profane language at people I you know I always come from a place of the speaking the truth and love and I and I believe that and that's one of my core values as a leader too but the truth sometimes is a lot of what people don't want to hear and they're afraid of it and they fear it and they feel defensive by it but that's stuff that I cannot help none of us can help all right so what warranted this this trip down memory lane and self-reflection you're like where is this going Carlin are we gonna sip it all well I was talking to a mentee of mine just recently I was very frustrated by a lot of the things that they were being given from a task and a project perspective and work perspective. And it just was things that they didn't have any passion for and felt like it was a waste of their time. And I said, oh, well, then did you talk to your leader about it? And their response was, well, no, because they're my leader. I just do what I'm told. Okay, but then you're going to fester and be upset and not like your day. Well, why don't you just speak up for yourself? What's the worst that can happen? And this person is not happy and very disgruntled. And it's like, but you're doing that to yourself too because you're not willing to share your thoughts and feedback and feelings. How does that leader know um, unless you say something? Then I was talking to somebody else about a new policy that their company had rolled out and they completely disagreed with it, violated their personal beliefs, 
violated, you know, so many questions, et cetera. And I said, well, did you share that with your leader? Did you speak up? Well, no, because their response was, what does my opinion matter? They'll do it anyways. I'm just going to have to look for another job. And, you know, at the end of the day, maybe you will have to look for a new job if it's a new policy or something. I don't know. But what does it hurt to voice your opinion first once you give the leader or give the company a chance to respond or a chance to offer, like, explanation at least? And doesn't it feel better to kind of go out swinging a little bit if that is the case of just – hey, I don't feel good about this. This isn't right, in my opinion. And I feel like standing up for yourself does feel better than if you just let something go by the wayside. Also, if you don't stand up, you can never right a wrong. And then, honestly, guys, I've had so many conversations even just this week where someone else told me they were afraid to defend a decision they made to their leader because they were afraid of retribution, retaliation, becoming an outcast, being branded as difficult, all of these things. And I'm just like... Oh, my heart hurts. I could go on with more examples. These are coming up lately all the time. Friends, we are losing our voice. No, I'm sorry. We're not losing it. We are giving away our voice when we don't speak up. I was just really pondering where all this is coming from. And I feel like there are a lot of differences to this world. And I know we've talked about it before in a social media world and a social online world. I mean, I grew up in a world prior to the internet. Yes, I'm that old. Where, you know, if you you could debate politics, you could debate religion, you could debate all these things. And then still, okay, well, we agree to disagree and still like go have a beer together afterwards. Yes, I did. Just good old days, you all. Um, I was also taught that if you don't have something nice to say, you don't say anything at all. And I, I have a feeling that this generationally has also crept into people too. But you know what? Hey, sorry, mom. Sorry, grandma. How on earth do you do you define nice? I know what they mean is polite or constructive, right? To not be mean and call names and all of that. But I feel like that type of brainwashing, if you will, to say, well, then if you don't have anything nice to say, and if you're not feeling nice when you have the feelings of frustration or a counter idea or thought or whatever, then I think a lot of times that sits in our brain of, well, it's better just to not say anything. But the reality is, how does that play out? You are going to talk to other people because you are frustrated or you are going to let something fester inside of you. And that resentment, I promise you, and bitterness will play out one way or the other, either in your attitude towards people at work, your boss, your leaders, or you'll go home and kick the poor dog or cat or your kids or your your spouse or whatever. And that's not... That's not right either. You have to get those feelings out one way or the other. And I think sometimes people, I had someone tell me once, you love conflict. I'm like, no, I don't. Nobody loves conflict. Okay, sick people maybe do. I said, I'm just not afraid of it. And I don't perceive conflict to be a bad thing. But conflict, confrontation, like these are all really loaded words that people have attached a lot of negativity to them over the years. You know, it's like I remember my grandma was always like, no, just avoid, just be polite, just be nice, just nod and smile. I'm like, but that's fake. That's fake. I don't want to be in an environment like that. So you go to a family function and, you know, most everybody in that room don't like each other, but we're all going to just nod and smile. That is so stupid. And that is such a colossal waste of everybody's time. So what do you do? Well, I speak my mind. I'm not a hypocrite. But guess what? All those people who try to nod and smile and be polite because they're so nice to your face, they talk smack behind your back. Is that better? Oh my gosh, no. Of course that's not better. It's ridiculous. Think about it. 
it's better to be authentic and direct to people's faces and talk to them when you have a problem. And will it always get solved? No. There are definitely people in my family and my husband's family that I'm like, yeah, you're toxic. I don't need to have you in my life. Now, that doesn't mean I'm mad at you or we're in some big rift or, oh, no, angry. Ah, the family's poison. No, I just don't care for you as a human. I don't think you're a good human. And my life and my time and my days are precious to me. And I want to put people in my life, I don't care if you're blood or not, who are going to uplift my life, who are going to be part of my life that feels good, you know, that we don't have to, I don't have some weird familial obligation just because we happen to be born with this a strand of similar DNA or happen to marry into something that then suddenly, oh, no, we have to be in each other's lives forever. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, my God, you know, tell tell that to people whose uncles or fathers have molested them. Oh, well, they're your dad, but you got to keep them in your life. Okay, drastic example, but it's the same concept. It's like, no, I'm sorry. There's chosen family is a beautiful thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. And blood doesn't make a family, never has, never will. Anyway, I digress. That was a little rabbit trail. But obviously, I feel strongly about that because I don't think you need to suffer through life. That's not, I don't believe that's what God wants us to do. I don't believe that's what we're intended to do. I believe people are placed in your life and you're born into certain lives. And those are lessons for you. And those are experiences for you. But then it's your choice to go and create the life that you are meant to live and to fill your purpose. And it doesn't have to be out of obligation to anybody else. You know, I love Brene Brown, as I've, I'm sure, mentioned a lot. But in her book, Dare to Lead, it's a great book. You know, she interviews a lot of leaders, and she asks them a lot of different questions. And one of the questions that, that stood out to me is, you know, what if anything about the way people are leading today needs to change in order for leaders to be successful in a complex, rapidly changing environment where we're faced with seemingly intractable challenges and an insatiable demand for innovation? She has such a way with words. And one common answer kept coming up over and over and over again is we need braver leaders and more courageous cultures. Ah, yes, yes, amen. In fact, I would say we just need leaders because to me, part of leadership is being brave, is having courage. I mean, look through all out history and the the key moments in historic in in our history of where tides turned, where movements happened, et cetera, they were all done through leaders, not followers. And the bad, bad things in life that happened were all because people just blindly followed and they didn't question anything. So where is our courage? Where is our bravery? I think it is just so important. And one of the things she also talks about too is, well, what's the what are the barriers to courage, you know? And one of the biggest things that would come up was because people avoid tough conversations, including giving honest and productive feedback. And so this is where, and I know it's not easy, but I think it starts with the courage to speak up and to use your voice and to not shirk tough conversations. And I think sometimes, and I do this too sometimes, it's like, oh, is it worth my energy to have that conversation well, I probably won't change their mind or I can't change anything, so I'm just going to let it go. And if that is the case, and I'm not saying that that's not always a bad idea, but I would say nine times out of ten, you can't let it go because it still will bother you. It'll still fester. It'll still be in you. And it'll just compile because there'll be more and more incidents and it'll your list and it will grow longer and longer. And at one point, you're going to snap or you're going to just be so miserable you're going to need to move on. 
Um, I just think, you know, for so many reasons, we don't have courageous leaders now more than ever, too. I know that there's a very real fear of job loss. Um, I think there's probably an influence of this ridiculous cancel culture and people don't want to be canceled and fear of being shut down by tech and social media companies. So they don't want to like say something wrong. And I'm not suggesting we should all be keyboard warriors and get out there and like troll everybody. But, but we do have platforms if you are on social media and that is an opportunity to share your opinion, share your voice and what you believe in. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, because I just think people are afraid to speak up. I think people are also afraid, different races are afraid now to talk to other races because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. I've watched that a lot. I think people are afraid to say, hey, I'm a Republican because they assume that someone's going to be like, oh, you're a bigoted asshole. And it's like, okay, but, or you're, you know, I'm a Democrat. Oh, you're a left-wing communist. I mean, there's people don't want to share their labels or share, you know, what's, what they are or who they are, what they believe in, because there's so much fear of retribution. It's it's kind of insane if you think about it. It's like we try to preach this culture of inclusion, and we want everybody to feel comfortable to be their authentic selves and their real selves, but yet so few people have the courage to do so because they're so afraid of what other people are going to think. And I feel like we're going backwards. We're going so backwards. And as a country... America was literally founded on the freedom to express our own beliefs. And the beauty of that freedom is because we are unique individuals and we do have different perspectives. And that is that should be what inclusion is all about. It's the power is when all those different POVs come together. And it's like, wow, this is amazing. We can come together, be real, be authentic. I think, you know, Brene calls it like rumble. Let's get in a rumble together and figure it out. And then at the end of the day, the product's better, the, the situation's better, the, the problem's probably solved better. Uh, it's just, yeah, we're losing it. Literally, I feel like we're going backwards. Like free speech, expression, it's something that we're super, super blessed to have in our country. And a lot of countries around the world don't. And I fear that sometimes, too, we look at other countries with envy. And I'm like, uh, do you know other people in other countries? Why do you think they all want to come here? Because we, you can come to this country and... Be whoever you want to be. Say whatever you want to do. We have so many freedoms compared to others. I just read not too long ago about some poor, you know, guy in Hong Kong got arrested because he booed the national Chinese anthem. Well, you know, our athletes here can take a knee and no one's arresting them. It's like, you know, and being openly gay is illegal in the Middle East. Um, Yeah, nobody's getting arrested for that here either. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that the plight, you know, there's not hate and hateful people but the sad reality is is there's always going to be hateful people in the world humans will always have people who are not good people um that's just and that's not pessimism guys that's history that's thousands and thousands of years of history you know showing that unfortunately there will always be a percentage of a population that's going to make bad choices criminal or otherwise um but you know we have our problem sure but if you do your homework and you look at other countries i think I appreciate so much more every day our own country and that we, you know, people from other countries, I mean, even my great-grandparents, you know, they can escape that oppressive leadership abroad and they can come here and they can be whoever they want. They can have their own business. They can work their way up. They can be as rich as Oprah. I mean, it's amazing, you know, and then I feel like we're we're trying so hard to squash freedom of speech and, and expression because we want everybody to believe a certain way. 
And it's like, oh my gosh, am I taking crazy pills here? Did I just offend somebody by using the word crazy? Now, seriously. Anyway, it's the very definition of insanity. We're giving up our leadership. And by definition, leadership means transforming, not conforming. And then, but yet we're trying to push everybody to conform in every sense of the word. And that's being a follower, not a leader. You know, and I don't like a lot of the stuff people post online either, but I'll defend their right every day of the week to say it. I can just unfollow and not friend and not pay attention. That's the accountability back on me to choose what we put in our head, garbage in, garbage out, right? And we have the power to hold ourselves accountable too. Okay, I know this all sounds like, okay, where are you going with this? Bit scary, bit extreme. But you know what? I'm glad I'm talking about this because having a voice should feel natural and we should feel totally okay with using it in positive, constructive ways to share our perspectives, our ideas, and hold leaders accountable when balance of power gets totally out of whack and decisions are made that don't vibe with the ability to be ourselves, that don't vibe with our beliefs, our views, anything. There's nothing wrong with that. And stop unfriending people because that does. It's like stop perpetuating the cycle of, well, then I'm not going to talk to you because you believe that. It's like, wow, do we make so many decisions based on emotion as opposed to like living and letting live for others? Okay, let's get to sips because I've got I've gone on my soapbox enough. Sip one. You need to first determine before you can speak up and use your voice, you need to determine your morals, your values, and you need to stick to them. Everybody needs a moral compass. How do you determine right and wrong if you don't have one? Um, mine personally are based on my faith intuition and also serving others what's going to serve others what's going to serve the world what are yours it really does help to write them down um, and start to really reflect on that because then that becomes kind of your core and your your true north Um, I do have a tool called heart mapping and this is not a sales pitch totally free I love serving people by helping them hone in on their life's vision their mission their mantras their purpose their unique abilities all of that and I think it does help you to really define and know who you are at your core so then you can weigh any kinds of feelings versus facts against your moral compass to help you make better decisions and when to speak up and how to speak up all right second sip realize and recognize that no other human being regardless of title or position matters more than yours I know I've said this again in podcasts before, but it bears worth repeating because I consistently see this and hear this from the people I coach and the people I mentor from the people, um, you know, in every aspect of my life. It's we are constantly putting other people because they have a higher title or in a position of quote unquote authority there that they matter more than you. And that's just not true. You got to froth out that fear of speaking up when something doesn't vibe for you. When you want to seek and understand, ask questions. There's nothing wrong with that. And having an alternative point of view, that is what, what humanity is all about. Where you, Everybody is unique. No two people are alike. It's okay that you are bringing a different perspective to things. So you have to dig deep. Dig deep and ask yourself, why are you afraid to speak up? And then play out scenarios. What's the worst that can happen? What's the best that can happen? Courage is action. Courage does not exist in your brain. Like, I want to, I want to, I want to. You just got to start doing it. And the more you do it, the more you use your voice, and the more you speak up, I promise you it gets easier and easier every single time, and your confidence will build. And you'll start to realize that no matter what they say or how they react, it doesn't matter because you stood up for what you believe and what you think. 
It is completely 100% okay to push back on leaders, public figures, politicians, scientists, doctors. I don't care. Experts in their field, quote unquote. People in positions of authority are not always right. People who study evolving fields, especially like medicine, are not always right. Look at history and look at all the times people in authoritative positions were very wrong. And let's stick with the field of medicine just as an example. They used to give cocaine out as a medicine. They used to use electroshock therapy on mental patients. It's okay that we're all on a learning journey. I am not anti-science, so make no mistake. When people want to quote science all the time, well, guys, scientists also used to think the world was flat. Like, it's okay that they're wrong sometimes and that they learn new things every day. It's an evolving, changing, growing field. It's awesome, but I think sometimes that ego gets in our way and we don't want to admit when we're wrong So don't take everything as absolute biblical truth when you hear it out of another human's mouth. Do your own homework. Do your own research. This isn't a diss at experts. I know that people devote their lives to different fields of study, and I think that's amazing. But again, because knowledge, research, and things all evolve over time, there's always something new that might come up. It's completely okay to question what they say. And it's also, also, the best thing we should be able to do is look at different voices in that field or even outside of that field and then make up your own mind, apply your own common sense, apply your own thinking and rationale and logic and reason to things. These are just people like you and me. And the best of these people, whether they're in authority figures or subject matter experts, the best of them will admit when they're wrong because humility and leadership is so critical. Because what happens when we don't question? Well, then you might make bad choices for yourself or your family. You might go along with something because you everybody else thought it was a good idea. It seemed legit because someone said so. They, they're an expert, right? I mean, I hate to say it, but, like, isn't that the argument? Like, if they're just following orders, isn't that the argument Nazi soldiers gave for why they killed millions of Jews in contras, concentration camps? They were just following orders. Maybe, okay, maybe you're thinking another extreme example, but it's the same line of thinking. Even good soldiers should have boundaries based on your morals and your values and right and wrong. And if we give away our voice, we give away our opinion, we give away our power. So it's okay. Be skeptical. Trust but verify. Question. Question things. Apply your own common sense. All right, tip number three. Don't be a part of the problem. When you're coaching your people or even your kids as leading, leading in your own household, be open to opinions that are not your own. Welcome diverse thinking. You know, give your team, your peers, your partners, club members, students, whatever role that you're in, give them an open and comfortable space to speak their mind. Because I really do believe that we're losing the skill of critical thinking. It is not your job as a leader, a teacher, a pastor, a parent, or anything to teach people what to think. It's our job to help others learn how to think and apply critical thinking and make up our own minds okay a little bit different for parents forgive me but you know what I'm saying here like it is such an important skill to teach your even your children how to think and how to apply critical thinking to situations when working in a project at work you know give your team a vision give them a goal but then let them determine how to get there step back empower encourage all right here's some leaderships hard water truth coming You don't have all the right answers, and you're not always right. I know, kind of hard to hear sometimes, but just because you're a leader, just because you're in a position of authority, 
You're still a human, and I guarantee you don't have, you're not always right. You don't have all the answers. I love different people's points of view because it is how we learn. It is how we grow, and it's how we know better in order to do better. But you have to also be humble enough to recognize that no matter your position on an org chart, that you know the best ideas are not coming from your head alone. We're all people, and we're all flawed, and it's wonderful, and we're all messy in this great life. And there, again, even opinions that I don't like, I'll still appreciate and go, thank you for sharing that. I'm glad you spoke your mind. I'm glad you said that. And I think a better way as leaders is don't silence your people. Encourage them to use their voice. And don't silence yourself. Use your voice to speak truth and give others a different perspective. And don't think ever for a minute that you don't have a right as a human being to speak up and share your heart and share your opinions with your leadership. Because however will they know when something's right or not wrong or where there's a blind spot or something that could maybe help the company, help them, help the team and the greater good. I know it seems like it, but most leaders do not want just yes people around them. Ancient Jewish wisdom says that we don't argue to win the argument. We argue to discover truth. And it's our own humankind checks and balances, if you will. But the only way that that works is if you venti your voice. Thank you for having a cup of coffee with me. For more sips and tips, connect with me on social and follow Lead for Sips on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. And don't forget to visit my website, curlinholbrook.com. Until next time, keep on growing.